0: The physician at Frenchman's Ford, a fictional western town, Dr. Ray Matson, was as quick with a pistol as he was with a helping hand. He was the symbol of justice and mercy in the lawless west of the 1870s. The doctor, known as friend and physician to white man and Indian alike, set an example of tolerance as all kinds of people made their way to Frenchman's Ford, including a Chinese gambler, a Jewish gunslinger, and a male order bride. Kyle Weber starred as Doctor Matson as the gun carrying wandering doctor known far and wide as Doctor Sixgun. His story was told through the doctor's constantly inebriated companion, a gypsy named Pablo, played by Bill Griffiths. Pablo also has a talking raven by the name of Midnight, the show which was produced in nineteen fifty four when television was decimating the audiences who listened to radio, only lasted one season. Dr. Matson helped people where he could, whether it was with medicine, a friendly ear, or with a gun. Actor Carl Weber was born in Iowa in 1916. He graduated from both the University of Iowa and Cornell College. Most of his career was in radio, mostly in soap operas, and he was also in the television soap Search for Tomorrow. He had one film credit, playing an FBI agent, Charlie Reynolds, in the film Walk East on Beacon in 1952. He also did a lot of commercials for Avis Rent-A-Car, and was the president of New York's chapter of the Screen Actors' Guild. Using his vocal talents, he recorded more than 200 books for the American Foundation for the Blind. Aeroom Radio, a different kind of oldies program, now rebroadcast. July 8, 1954 episode of Dr. Six-Gun, Jared P. Kale, High Finance. I'm your host, the heirloom Radio, John Lovering, and I thank you for listening to the podcast.
1: Across the rugged Indian territory rides a tall young man on a mission of mercy, his medical bag strapped on one hip, his six-shooter on the other. This is Dr. Sixgun. The National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed another episode in the exciting adventure series Doctor. Sixgun. Matson Mattson, M.D., was the gun-toting frontier doctor who roamed the length and breadth of the old Indian territory. Friend and physician to white man and Indian alike, the symbol of justice and mercy in the lawless west of the 1870s. This legendary figure was known to all as Dr. Six-Gun.
2: the territory, we occasionally hear tales of the great men back in the East, the railroad barons, the great meatpackers of Chicago and St. Louis, the wizards of high finance who hunt their prey on the streets of Boston, Philadelphia, and New York. We hear of the private railway cars with crystal chandeliers, and the great estates with stained glass windows and, and pipe organs in the living rooms. We hear of these tales, and we are impressed by such enterprise and genius. Of course, we too have our wizards of commerce. I myself am one. And who am I? Pablo the Gypsy Peddler. And this is my friend Midnight. Midnight. He is only a bird, but he too is a merchant prince. 100% percent markup. He he boasts, but don't you believe it? He never makes better than 60%. (laughs) But perhaps the greatest example of the modern captain of industry that we have ever seen here in the territory was Jared P. Cale. I uh, first met him one day when I was sitting in the Bull Run Saloon. And in through the swinging doors came my good friend Doc Sixgum. It had been raining for a week, and Doc poured the water out of his hat and sat down at my table. Need webbed feet to get across from the livery table. Well, Doc, is it still raining? Haven't you been outside? In weather like this, Doc, a sane man stays under a dry roof near a warm stove and a full bottle. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> they don't postpone little things like childbirth for the weather. Oh, anyone I know? Marley Younger, out of Cottonwood Flat. I, I thought the bridge was out across the river up that way. It is. I had to swim my horse across. But you must have gotten soaked. I did. I dried out a little bit at the livery stable, though. No use changing. I've got to go back out in about an hour. The hand out at the Barrel lay with some kind of fever. I promised I'd look in on him. Uh, how is the river out at the uh, Cottonwood Flats? Well, I'd say it was lucky Molly made up her mind to deliver when she did. <laughs> Won't even be able to swim it for night. It's a funny thing, Doc. Last summer, the ranchers lost half their stock in drought. And now they may lose the other half by float. That's pretty bad all over. Rio Verde's over the banks. Dead Man's Canyon, the lake. Evening, Doc. <laughs> you look a little damp. I am. Can I get you something? The usual, I say. Uh, ain't no coffee left in the pot, Doc. I'll have to make up some fresh. Be about ten minutes. Say, uh, you hear about the stage yesterday? No. They had to float her across the river to get into town. Looked like a flatboat going down to New Orleans in old days. <laughs> Like to broke loose and floated downstream with two gals sitting on the top screaming, and Charlie Peters throwing parcels out like it was a sinking ship in the storm. (laughs) they get through all right? (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure. Charlie says he don't know whether the coach will get through tonight, though. They'll have to go around south by the plat and see if they can get across old Baldy Creek. Well, sounds like we're surrounded. (laughs) I reckon we are, in a way. Suppose it'll stop raining, though. Doesn't take old Baldy long to dry up, even after a flood. Stages in. Oh, hey, what do you know? Oh, no, they hey. made it. Uh, O'Shea, uh, set me up a double of that poison of yours. I couldn't be no wetter if I was a brook trout hid under a rock. How'd you make it, Charlie? Hell, I'll tell you, O'Shea. I drove around this town like Joshua around the walls of Jericho. <laughs> I went clear up around Rio Verde and then back around Old Baldy. Finally, swimmer across the Ford. How's the river? Hell, I tell you, I felt like a Mississippi steamboat captain. If I had to make this trip anymore, I'm, I'm going to mount a paddle wheel on the hind end of my coach and trade in my reins for a rudder. Now, quit for O'Shea and poor. Hey, hey, hey. You know, I'd like to see that, Charlie. The Overland stage with Smokestack and Grand saloon, <laughs> complete with ferro game and brass cut fedora. Well, it ain't so <laughs> doggone funny with that little shirt tail crick roaring like it is at Colorado River in flood time. I'll tell you one thing. I ain't taking that coach back tomorrow morning. I'll stay right here till I get my wheels on the ground again. Say, Charlie, did you get my box through all right? Got medical supplies. I'll be needing. Oh, it's... it's all right, Doc. I had it tied to the top right alongside the mail pouch. Lucky I tied it down. I I lost a crate of chickens and three bolts of calico. I darn near lost a passenger. A pa... Who'd be fool enough to ride over from Chisholm City in weather like this? A little scrunchy Easterner. (laughs) I like to blow away when... when we come over the pass. When we got into old Baldy, we must have hit a rock, cause... Well, first thing I know, the, the guard's hollering, man overboard. <laughs> we had to rope him and drag him behind till we hit solid mud on the other side. Then we hauled him back on board and tied him next to your medicine box. <laughs> I ain't never seen a sorrier sight since my hand dog fell into the tar barrel last fall. Well, was he hurt? Maybe I better go see him. Well, you might as well ask him, Doc. That's him coming through the door now. Why, you... Sure, it's the same fella? He ain't covered with no mud. Oh, he's dressed as pretty as a New Orleans gambler from the Mardi Gras. Same fella, all right, but well, he should not sure didn't look like that when I seen him last. Beats me. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. My host, a glass. Uh, you mean me? Why, yes. I think you are the proprietor of this establishment. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's me. What'll it be, mister? Oh, do I have a choice? Yeah. Barrel or bottle? Uh, <laughs> bottle, I think. Ah, uh, my good friend the charioteer. Recovering from your labors, I see. Well, where'd you get them dry clothes, mister? Last time I seen you, you looked like a happy sow in a mud hole. Well, I thought it best to freshen up a little before meeting the citizenry of this fair town. I must thank you, my man, for a delightful trip. A bit nautical in spots, but otherwise delightful. O'Shea, pour me another. Uh, permit me to introduce myself, gentlemen. I am Jared P. Cale, late of Wall Street. What? Oh, you mean that uh, block in Chisholm City where all them dance halls and other places is? Oh, no, 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 no. I refer to the Wall Street gentleman, the original. Surely you've heard of him. You mean in New York City? Ah, a cosmopolite in the wilderness. Now, look here, you. You can't go calling doc things like that. You don't even know him. Well, it that's all right, O'Shea. Mr. Kale means it as a compliment. Ah, uh, didn't sound like no compliment. to yeah, me. May I have the pleasure, sir? I'm Dr. Matson. Dr. A. Divinity or veterinary medicine? Uh, just plain MD, I'm afraid. A pleasure, sir, a pleasure. Ah, oh, My good publican, this, I take it, is my refreshment. It's whiskey. I don't guarantee nothing. It will do. <clears throat> ah, lovely weather we're having. Ah, I find the practice of agronomy benefits from the rain, don't you? Uh, we don't have none of that out here, only crops. Crops, oh, yes. I have begun to get the notion, gentlemen, that I have come to the right town. You do? Precisely, gentlemen. Precisely. May I ask what brings you to Frenchman Ford, Mr. Kale? Vision. Vision, gentlemen. Is that right? Gentlemen, I ask you, where is the future of this country? Where is the land which holds the destiny of this vast nation? Where is the manifest golden treasure to be found? Search me. You a prospect? Oh, gentlemen, I know nothing of prospecting but... Prospecti? Ah, that is a different story. What kind of heathen talk is that? Do I understand that you're referring to the Latin plural of prospectus? How delightful to find a classic scholar here in the wilderness. I don't get what you're driving at, Mr. Cave. You will, Doctor. You and the entire nation when the time is right. In the meantime, gentlemen, I offer you a toast. To Frenchman's Ford, the happy hunting ground. Uh, hunt? Well, you've come to the wrong place, mister. You ain't going to do nothing but hunt for fish until it's your rain stops. Precisely, gentlemen. Precisely. Shall we drink to it? He was a cheerful little man. And he was dressed something like a cross between a minister, a banker, and an undertaker. He had fine, silky, modern chop whiskers, and the rest of his face was smooth as a baby's. All the rest of the evening, he sat at the table at the Bull Run and told us tales of that fabulous land far across Old Baldy Creek, which was his natural habitat. It was then that I said to Fisk, Jim, mark my words, you'll never corner the gold market without my help. But did he listen, gentlemen? Did he? Oh, not Jim Fisk. And, of course, you all know the results. Uh, Yeah, 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 of course. But that reminds me of a similar occasion when I was consulted by William Vincent Astor on the matter of real estate. Bill, I told him, 42nd Street may be out in the country today, but someday it will be valuable real estate. Doc had been called away on his case early in the evening, and when he got back, Mr. Cale had retired to his lodgings And O'Shea was cleaning the bar. I'll be with you in a minute, Doc. I kept the coffee pot on the back of the stove. It's strong as boiled gunpowder, but it's coffee. Thanks, O'Shea. Well, that's the end of it up at the Rio Verde. There was a log jam up at the Box Canyon. Gave way. Nobody's going to get across that river anymore. Yeah, here you are, Doc. She's hot, but she'll claw your throat on the way down. Good. Ah, Say, (laughs) you missed all entertainment, Doc. Somebody get shot? But... No, no, with real peaceful even. I mean that typhoon. Typhoon? Yeah, that financial genius. A- ain't that what you call him? I don't think so. A typhoon is a big wind. Uh, yeah. Well, anyways, he can really spin a yarn. Did you know that Jim Fisk built a house with corners made out of pure gold? No, I can't say as I heard that. Well, he tried to. Mr. Kale told him he couldn't do it. Uh, I reckon the gold didn't hold nail. Sounds like an exciting evening. Yeah, yeah, it was. I didn't have no idea at all, Doc, that them bankers and such worked like that. According to this here Kale, running the bank is like drawing to a inside straight in a strange town with other fellers deck. Oh, that sounds like a good description. Now, of course, if you know the dealer, it's different, ain't it, Doc? Uh, I suppose so. <laughs> That's what I figured. Well, good night, Doc. Uh, wait, wait a minute, O'Shea. Hmm? What are you talking about? What did this Mr. Kale tell you? Well, now, Doc, uh, you wouldn't want me to violate a confidence, would you? Well, no. No, I suppose not. Well, <clears throat> all I can tell you, Doc, is that uh, when this here town becomes the roaring, bustling metropolis of the new Atlantis... Just you wait and see who is going to have the biggest saloon. Or say, you've been drinking your own whiskey. No, Doc, but just wait and see. That's all. It rained again the next day and the day after. Doc was busy in town with an endless stream of sore throats and fevers from the cold and damp. But the bull run. Strange things were happening. Hey, O'Shea! O'Shea! Where is that lop eared swill-servin' idiot? What's the matter, Charlie? Bedler, eh? I've been standing here for five mortal minutes, waiting to turn over my good money for that bad whiskey. Eh? Now you're hiding her hair of O'Shea if I him. Why, you wouldn't leave the bar unattended? Reach over and dip up some of that whiskey if I wasn't afraid my hand would dissolve in the fumes. <laughs> O'Shea! Keep your shirt on. How do you like that? Why, a man in his position is a public servant. It's, it's like me with the mail. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor saddle sores nor hostile Indians. is supposed to keep me from my duty. And concern it, it ought to be the same with him. Now, what is the idea, Charlie, making a racket like that? Are you still selling whiskey or are you giving up and going in a dry goods? Hang on, you'll get your drink. I got more important things to do than dish out rot gut to can tanker a stage drivers. Now, wait a minute. Just hold on. What's the matter? Now, listen, O'Shea, it's it's all right for me to call your whiskey poison and rot gut, but it, it ain't fitting for you to do it. What are you blithering about now? Well, if you ain't got no confidence in your stock... Well, I ain't going to buy none. I'll just take my trade somewhere else. Yeah? Just, uh, where do you figure to take it, Charlie? I got the only saloon in Frenchman's Ford, and this here town is surrounded on four sides by water. The only other drink you can get retail is a physic up to Dock 6 guns or horse liniment down to the livery stable. The only other whiskey in town is in closed barrels down to the express office, and that is on consignment to me. Oh, yeah, Yeah, I reckon you're right. Well, in that case, I guess I'll reconsider. That's better. Now, what'll it be, barrel or bottle? We didn't discover the fiscal influence of Mr. Kale until the next day when Doc dropped in for dinner at the Bull Run. Doc, have you ever been in on the ground floor? Often. That's where I keep my horse. Oh, now, Doc, be serious. I mean it. How'd you like to be in on the inside of the biggest financial syndicate since John Jacob Astor? Not very much. Now, Doc, that ain't the way to talk. Oh, say, just what is all this? Is that kale feller working some skin game on you? Doc, it ain't no skin game. He's on the level. Oh, sure, sure. I mean it. Doc, <clears throat> you are talking to the president of the Frenchman's Ford Land and Natural Resources Development Company. Cale's the treasurer. I figured he would be. Now, Doc, you lack confidence. I certainly do. Just what are you developing with this company, O'Shea? Well, uh, you know, like it says, natural resources. Mm -hmm. Doc, you're a good friend of mine, and I want to give you a chance before the small, smart Wall Street men snap up all the stock. O'Shea, you simple-minded idiot. Why don't you just... Take your money and put it in a great big gunny sack and hand it to this sharp. Now, Doc, you ain't being fair. Mr. Kale ain't no sharper; He's a financier. I can't understand it, O'Shea. You can spot a deadbeat in the bull run the length of the bar. How can you be so confounded foolish about Kale? Doc, you you really think he's going to skin me? Why, he's practically got you stuffed and mounted. I don't know. He sounds real convincing and... When he gets to talk about them railroad fellers and millionaires and all? Now look, look, O'Shea. Have you given him any money yet? No, not yet. Oh, that's good. There isn't a doubt in my mind that your Mr. Jared Kale is crooked as a dog's hind leg. Uh, doctor, well, good morning. Did I hear you mention my name? You might have. Doc here says it's a skin game. He says you're out to police me. Well, well, we meet that sort of thing all the time in our profession. And don't let it worry you, Mr. O'Shea. What do you mean, don't let it worry me? Are you, are you? Mr. O'Shea, I know of only one way to meet an insinuation of this sort. Now, how much money have we discussed as your share of the capital investment? Uh, $2,000. Well, uh, gentlemen, do you recognize this banknote? Hmm. Yes, that's a note on the Drovers Bank of Chisholm City. A uh, Sound Bank, gentlemen? Yes. Well, here, sir, are $5,000 in banknotes issued by the Drovers National. More than twice, Mr. O'Shea's investment. Uh, here you are, Doc. What do you mean? What are you giving them to me for? I want you to hold this money in escrow, as it were, to prove my good faith. This would more than cover any money Mr. O'Shea risks in the company. Yeah. Well, well, that seems fair, don't it, Doc? Well, uh, yes. yes I, oh, the does. they are good notes, all right. Well, <clears throat> there you are, Doc. I trust my reputation is once more... Unsullied. And now, Mr. O'Shea, a word with you in your private office? Why, uh, I ain't got no office, but uh, if we kind of crouch behind the bar down at the end, we can be private. Uh, uh, (laughs) Well, I, I, I don't think that will be necessary, but we must plan. We have great things to accomplish, you and I. showed the banknotes around town. There was no doubt. They were genuine notes on the Drover's National, not counterfeit. And O'Shea went on planning the development of the natural resources of Frenchman's Ford. It was about this time that O'Shea found he had other troubles. He showed up at Doc's place looking a little red at the back of the neck. Doc? You gotta give me something. Oh, what is it, O'Shea? You're back again? No. It's my head and my stomach. Doc, I'm so mad I'm just coming apart. I've gotta talk hey, to now, somebody. Now, now, now look, hold on, O'Shea. Here. What is it you want? Somebody to listen to your troubles or a dose of salt? I don't rightly know. Doc, it is the most aggravating. Outrageous. Take <sighs> it easy, O'Shea. You know what happened? What with the town cut off by the flood, I had a pretty good business going on, and I ran plumb through the four barrels of whiskey I had in the place. So naturally, I go down to the express office to pick up a half a dozen more barrels. I just leave them down there until I'm ready for them, and he Tucker takes the storage just, out and trade. Now, now, relax, O'Shea. So, you'll have a stroke. Well, I'm likely to, I tell you. Doc, if you're called on to plug up a couple of bullet holes in he Tucker, you'll know who done it. Uh, just what is it? Well, I went down there to pick up my stock, and that lily-livered sheepherder has got the nerve to tell me it ain't mine. What do you mean? He says I didn't pay for the whiskey when it first come in, and since it ain't been claimed, my option on it run out. That doesn't sound like Eve Tucker. He offered me a price on it. Doc, do you know what that no-good crowbait horse thief wants me to pay for my own whiskey? $100 a barrel. Why, I ain't never paid more than $12 since I opened a saloon. You're not going to pay it, are you? That's just the miserable part of it, Doc. I ain't got no choice. What, with a town cut off with no whiskey, I close up. Why don't you? Doc, have you got any idea what my life would be worth in this town if and I cut off the only supply of whiskey at a time like this? I'd lose all the goodwill I ever had. I've just got to... Hey, that miserable old coot his $100 a barrel and take a lick and... Oh, say, maybe I better go have a talk with Eve Tucker. There's something fishy in this whole deal. I wish you'd do something, Doc. I already paid him $500. Doc, he's got me over a barrel. It was that day that the rain finally stopped. And the day after that, Doc finally got the chance to go down and talk with Eve Tucker. Now, when he got back to the saloon, O'Shea was in a foul mood. Doc, would you say it was justifiable homicide <laughs> if I took my forty-five and went down and shot E. Tucker full of holes? Hold on, O'Shea. I think I'm getting to the bottom of this. Well, I tell you, I'm getting to the bottom of my cash box. Huh. And you was afraid that Mr. Kale was a crook. That reminds me, O'Shea. How much money did you give Mr. Kale? You were talking about $2,000. Now, Doc, you are on the wrong track. I didn't give him no $2,000. I didn't give him but $130 till his letter of credit could get through the flood. $130, huh? That just about comes out right. Huh? What do you mean? I just had a long talk with Eve Tucker. I pointed a few things out to him, O'Shea, such as... He's got to keep living in this town when the flood goes down. And I think he saw the light. He, um, he told me he was acting as a salesman when he sold you that whiskey. What do you mean a salesman? I mean he didn't own it. Somebody came around and bought up a whole lot of whiskey from him for $130. Now, who in town here would go around buying barrel whiskey for $130? That's right. And if... Tucker was just selling the whiskey for this fella? That's right. Kale. That no good pusillanimous cutthroat. He bought my whiskey with my own money and sold it back to me at $100 a barrel. Now, wait a minute, O'Shea. Hold on. I'm oh. telling you, Doc, get out of my way. I'm going to find that <laughs> high-binding horn toad and fill him full of legs. Now, wait a minute,
1: O'Shea. Y- you
2: won't find it. What do you mean I won't? He can't get far, not with them rivers roaring around town. Old Baldy was down three feet this morning. Andy Michaels saw Mr. Kale ford the creek around 10 o'clock. You mean he Eight. got away? Look out, Doc. I'm going to get my horse. O'Shea. What? I'm afraid he was riding your horse. Heep. Doc, you got your satchel ready. because I think I'm likely to think. How much do you figure he got away with, O'Shea?
0: Okay.
2: Well, uh, I guess about close to $1,800, counting the horse. Well, then you've got the last laugh. You like, uh, How's that? I guess he didn't have a chance to finish out whatever his scheme was. What more could he take? My pants? Oh, no, no. I mean, he he left this. What's that? The $5,000 in Drover's bank notes. I guess they're yours, okay. I... Say, that's right. I, I, I clean forgot about that, Doc. And these is good notes. Everybody in town says so, no doubt of it. This is a genuine $5,000 in Drover's national bank notes. Well, well how do you like that? The confounded little Sharper outsharped himself. himself. <laughs> <laughs> Doggone, if I don't make... <laughs> Let me see. Uh, thirty-two $3,200 uh, in the uh, deal. Well, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations, O'Shea. I guess you developed at least one natural resource <laughs> in Frenchman's Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I did. Doggone it, Doc. I gotta celebrate. Boys, the drinks is on the house. <laughs> <laughs> Doc. Are you sure I can't uh, set you up for something? No, no, I'll take it out and beat stage. come in. <laughs> $3,200. I'll be doggone in his own crap. Stage, <laughs> from Chisholm City. Stage is in. Charlie, Charlie, step right up. The drinks is on the house. I'm celebrating. Well, that's just fine. But make mine a double. <laughs> yes, sir. We're going to celebrate. Well. <laughs> Say, the, the, the darnedest news. Al Evans come in driving the stage just told me. You'd never guess in a million years. Yeah? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> the drover's bank in Chisholm City went bust. What? Yeah, it was all over a week and a half ago. There ain't a nickel left in it. Well, it must have happened just before I drove that last stage over to Frenchman's Ford. Now, the big news like that, and we didn't hear a word of it on account of the flood. He knew? Doc, He knew? He knew all the time. Well, who knew? Who knew what? <laughs> <laughs> Funniest thing you ever saw. Folks in Chisholm City using them Drover's banknotes to stuff up holes in the windows. <laughs> they ain't worth the paper they're printed on. <laughs> well, uh, O'Shea, uh, how about another? Uh, still on the house? Charlie, go over to my table and get my satchel. He fainted. <laughs>
1: You've been listening to Dr. Six Gun, brought to you, transcribed each week at this same time by the National Broadcasting Company. Doc Six Gun is played by Carl Weber. Pablo by William Griffiths. Today's script was written by Ernest Canoy. Heard in the cast were William Keane as O'Shea, Louis Van Ruten as Jared P. Kale, and Jim Bowles as Charlie. Dr. Six-Gun, a radio production of the National Broadcasting Company, is directed by Harry Frazee. Dr. Six-Gun, starring Carl Weber as the frontier doctor, with William Griffiths as Pablo, the wandering gypsy, has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.